Great, let's get ready to hear the word Bev is going to bring to us together in mission. I had quite a giggle when I had this topic um, sent to me because I'm a missionary child and I'm one of those missionary kids that should never have happened. <laughs> um, I loathed it. Yeah. Um, I loathed being brought out onto these, the, the, the stages and churches where my parents came back on um, homeland furlough and um, I'd have people poking me saying, oh, you're not black, you can't be African. You know, and um, I loathed it. <laughs> when the ship left Cape Town, I would howl for days um, on, on, the, on the ship because um, we came back every few years. Um, in fact, today, I still can't stomach the smell of almond essence. And, yeah, amen. <laughs> and it actually comes from the missionary home, um, which was up here in Norwood. They'd bring us all back. And um, my dad was having a whole lot of surgery. I was seven years of age, and he was having, um, believe it or not, some of the first cataract operations um, at Guy's. And um, the woman who ran the home, some Salvation Army officer, she decided um, that as she babysat me, that she would knock the, um, the wildness out of this child. And she smacked me. <laughs> she failed horribly. <laughs> Because I hated wearing shoes, and I, you know, I was just born free, like, you know, the lion. And so I had a bit of a chuckle. Um, I have to confess before I start, um, through the years of um, us being on the street, um, where we prayed for people on the street, I would initially got quite, I was often astounded that so few people came from the church. Um because we were reaching the world here on Sydney High Street. <laughs> um, and someday, I mean, we would have materials in every language available because Sydney High Street was the world. And I have to confess that, okay? Um, I would actually get quite frustrated, sometimes angry, sometimes despondent, um, that somehow, as a church, as a community, we had lost the vision um, that the world was there and actually not at our feet. And um, so I'm putting that out there, yeah? <laughs> so, um, but this is what God has laid on my heart. And um, here we go. And it is called, What is Your World? Because this has really struck me. I'm referring a lot to Jay John, um, a preach that he gave in 2016 that I actually watched. And it really struck me what he was saying. And I'm like, yeah, Lord. <laughs> um, that's what I've been trying to articulate for a number of years. So it's about together in mission, um, as a community, as a church, um, all of that. And the challenge today is what is our world? We live in an incredibly different world to that of my parents. Yeah, um, I mean, they, they would go for five three, four years, they would, you know, they lost contact with family, it would be letters being sent, you were shipped back every few years, you used to have these horrible medical checkups because you were from Africa, you know, and um, that was their world at that time, but today, you know, with a click of a button, we can read about anywhere, yeah, and things happening everywhere. And it can actually become very distracting, number one, but also quite discouraging. 
You think, oh my word, what's going on? The world's gone crazy. Yeah, but it's actually because our view of the world is so much greater, I think, today than perhaps in the 60s or 50s because we're in it. We're seeing it every, every day. So what is our world? So let's just go through the scripture again. Nigel read it earlier on. So after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, or sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Don't mooch about, he's saying. Yeah? Just stay where you are. Um, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its street and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you but I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day than for Sodom, than for that city. We then skip to Luke 10. So the guys have all gone out, and I, I believe there were women with them as well. They're women disciples um, that went out. So Luke 10, the, they're all coming back. They come back to Jesus. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I mean, you can't beat that, can you? Um, I saw it happen. I was there. <laughs> Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and o over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be by any means hurt you. A bit wrong there. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And that's the scripture. And really, as I, I looked at this, I thought, in a way, it's a checklist. Um, Jesus seems quite relaxed about all of this. Remember, the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. Yeah, Jesus was still with them. So they were operating in the, the presence of Jesus in a way. And it's really a checklist. So what to expect? The harvest is truly great but the laborers are few, yeah? Um, what to take? Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandal. Um, by the way, Fit Flops, fantastic sandal sale um, on at the moment. I love sandals. I would have a problem with this. No, but seriously, I've just got a pair now. I bought them for the summer. Um, and huge reduction. So sandals, no. But Jesus said, don't take them with you. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, so don't, basically saying don't worry about your material things, yeah? Just go. And that's quite a sort of relaxed thing. You know, if you're going on a journey, 
you, you want to have everything checked and ready and, you know, and he's just saying, don't worry about it. Just go. Just go. Just go and do it. Um, where do you go? Go to homes. Go to towns. What do you do? You remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give and heal the sick. Remember the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. They'd been watching him do it, but they themselves hadn't done it yet. Um, and he's giving them instructions. And I, I found it quite logical and almost relaxed in a way. Um, <coughs> how, do you, how to do it? You walk into a house, you say, peace to this house. Declare the kingdom of God has come. Um, and if they reject it, move, move on. And we used to use this a lot um, when we were, we were working out on the street um, on the Saturdays of prayer. You know, some are going to listen to you, some aren't. It's as simple as that. Some will stop and pray. Some will tell you to off. So don't take these things to heart. <laughs> if, if somebody is rejecting what you're saying, rejecting the message, rejecting the approach, just wipe the dust off your feet and move on. Don't take these things personally. Okay, in the spiritual realm, they're not ready yet to receive the word. They might, they might need to hear it. Okay, so peace to this house. I think that's an amazing gift that we can give to people. Yeah, that even today, if we visit someone's home, you know, walk in and release the peace. Say, peace, I leave here. Declare the kingdom of God. Jesus had come. He'd come. Um, declare the kingdom of God. Is he, and if they don't, move on. Um, result, they returned with joy, authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And I really think this is such an area that, that in the modern church, perhaps, um, we just complicate this so much. Um, you know, calling down fire and doing all sorts of things. And it's actually just saying, you know what? Lord, thank you that my name is written in heaven. Thank you that, Jesus, you've come to save me. And, folks, I just want to share the peace with you. I want to tell you that the kingdom of heaven is here. And it can actually be that simple. And if people don't like it, move on. Um, and I really like that. I like the checklist. And I really do believe it's a list that we can use today. If we're going somewhere, if we're doing something, and we're going in the name of the Lord, or we're just going anyway with the presence of Jesus in us, we can think about these things, not to take things personally, that we carry the word of God in us. We carry the presence of Jesus in us. And we can also declare the kingdom of God is here through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I think that's quite a simple thing. It's not complicated, and I think we can all do it. I believe we can all do it in our way. Yeah? So, if we've, we know now what is expected of us, we know what Jesus has said, go, go and do stuff, do it. This is how you do it. This is what you say. This is what you take. <laughs> um, he's given us that. It's quite plain. So what then is mission? Any ideas? To save the soul to the kingdom. Save souls for the kingdom. What is mission? We've been talking about it for the three weeks now. Making Jesus known. 
Any other takes on it? Yep. To preach the good news. And actually, yes, the Bible's very clear about mission. Jesus says it himself. This is mission. Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I've done this with my cats. In fact, Nigel was at my home one night. My cat had gone missing, and we sat and we prayed for that wretched cat. <laughs> and he came home. Okay? So... <laughs> and I, I've heard of people lining up their dolls as kids and preaching. Yeah, I mean, some of the, the great preachers that, <laughs> that we've heard about, you know, um, have marched up and down in woods preaching to the trees. Yeah, it says there, what creatures. Um, Luke 14, then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. And I'm sure that must be England, hey, highways and hedges. There's actually a department um, that looks after that. Um, that my house may be filled. Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And what was that thing just before communion? What was those great command? the great command? Love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others. Yeah. And love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And lo, oh, I love this. I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Does that make mission? That's the heart of mission for all of us. How that manifests can be different. So there are people who, um, I, I work on social justice, a lot of social justice and corporate um, abuse. Um, the heart of what I'm doing um, manifests as, say, a social justice thing. But I believe in everything that I'm doing, I'm loving my neighbor as myself. I'm wanting them to have what I've got. Yeah? And at the heart of it is mission, but it manifests. That can be worked out in different ways. Um, for nurses, you are actually going healing people, working in a healing environment. Yeah? Homemakers, you are loving your children, feeding them, nurturing them. Yeah? So it manifests as something different. But that is the heart of mission, and it is, for me, quite clear. So, if we look then in Acts 1, Jesus um, is about to leave, he's about to go to heaven, and he says here, and being assembled together, so he's with his disciples, I think it was 120 of them at that point, a group, um, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Stay put, stay where you are, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. 
but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That highlight is me, the yellow is me, okay? Adding that, because it's so important. Because on our own, mission may seem impossible. And actually... That's really struck me. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I wasn't going to say this, but as a nation, we are in a time of such disruption and such ripping apart. Um, Politically, economically, socially, there are the divides everywhere. And it breaks my heart that as the church, we are falling into that trap as well. Where we've got one denomination against another denomination saying, you know what, you're wrong, we're right. And Lord, aren't you just going to restore everything right now? Yeah? And the sort of quasi... um, political theology that's buzzing around in certain sectors. And you know, it's about the kingdom of heaven. It is not about the kingdom of Westminster as the church. Now, I know this may seem a bit out there, but it's about the kingdom of God. And that is our unifying factor. It's not about the kingdom of Westminster. It's not about the kingdom of Brexit. It's not about the kingdom of the EU. It is about the kingdom of God on our streets, in our homes, in our lives, to bring about unity in our country right now, and especially in the church. We desperately need unity about the kingdom of God with us right now. Sorry, that was a bit of a rant. Um, So, yes, some people go out there. They do incredible things. We heard um, a woman last week um, about Thailand. Um, (laughs) This bloke actually went to school with him. We were neighbors for years. And his name's Farney Lutz, or Stephen Lutz is his fancy name. Um, <laughs> and he was a really conservative in South Africa, we say for crump. So very sort of narrow, um, staunch um, Afrikaans in Kerk. So it was very sort of, very staunch. Um, sort of almost a Lutheran Calvinist mix. So. Farney, we all went to his wedding, um, had a great time. He was in London. We've kept in contact over the years. Facebook's great. So Farney contacts me last year. He's in London. Let's go and have dinner. Um, So we land up going cheap and cheerful in Chinatown because the man's a missionary. And um, that I paid. (laughs) um, I know his wife as well, by the way. So nothing dodgy, hey? Um, so, So just... So we're in London, we're having a chat, and I know about his ministry, I know from his Facebook, um, he's from one end of the globe to the other, Um, he goes into deepest, darkest, he's just, he's been in the Amazon, Um, he goes into the big sea country um, a lot, Um, and I just sat there with my jaw hanging down. Um, and he was very funny. He, he has, they've, they've moved to Atlanta recently. And he said they're really trying hard to keep their numbers and where they operate and everything under wraps because there's so many sort of um, evangelicals that are trying to buy into it but to 
shout about it. <laughs> and he said, I don't want that to happen. It's, this is God's work, and, and we can't let man touch it. <laughs> um, telling me, so they, they've got a vision to plant a million churches, to train a million pastors and evangelize and disciple 100 million believers. And they go through a whole thing. They've got this whole model, da-da-da-da-da. But he was telling me about a woman in the big sea country. Um, they met her. She'd come on some training. Um, she disappeared. And they oh, heavens, what now? About five years later, they'd gone back into, de- um, into sort of the hinterland of the big sea country. And they were all undercover. In the middle of the night, she showed up. Um, this woman that they'd trained um, a few years previously. And so basically a week's training. Um, they give some resources. And she's, she's hooked into a hub um, of a pastor, so it's not sort of freelance. Came back and sort of report time and who's doing what, da-da-da-da. She said, you know, it's remarkable. Um, she said, we initially established 10 prayer cells, um, but now it's got too big and I just can't cope with it anymore. And they said, well, how many prayer cells have... Sort of, she said, well, through this methodology, um, we've now got 1,600 prayer cells. And each one averaging 50 to 100 people. One week's training, baptized, Holy Spirit, you know, um, with her. This woman had gone off. Five years later, 1,600 little churches, <laughs> prayer cells in a country of such oppression. And this is why he doesn't want these stats out there. But hes they've started this big thing now, the Global Gospel Walk, and you can go online, you click a button, and you can walk, and for every mile, you raise a, a penny or something, and it all goes in to feeding mission. What I'm trying to say here is on global mission, we've got, is it INET? INET, we've got people that we know, there's stuff like this, that you can walk for the next 16 days and raise money, and somebody else is going out there and doing stuff, okay? And fairly big stuff. But I was deeply challenged by Fani, deeply, deeply challenged about the core mission. Because we can talk about all sorts of things in church, but actually the core mission is go. Tell people about Jesus. Baptize them. Pray for them. Tell them the kingdom of heaven is here because of Christ Jesus. And we sat in Chinatown. I wept buckets um, because I was so challenged that in my own life, I got very complicated, that I'd sort of dashed off um, down all sorts of lanes, which are all godly, all spiritual, all fantastic, but actually, was I hitting the key mission to go and tell people about Jesus? So, what is our world? This is a video clip from J. John. Hopefully. <laughs> okay. And he explains it better than I could. Okay. You go on YouTube. Honestly, this um, this forty-six minute preach. We're only going to show three minutes here. Yeah? 
really mean that. It means go. And the strategy that we have in Acts 1 verse 8, the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What did Jerusalem represent to the first disciples of Jesus? Well, that was where they failed. Peter denied Jesus publicly. Where were they at the crucifixion? Only John was there. Jesus says, I want you to start in the place of your greatest failure. Where is that for you and me? Family, friends, neighbors, and colleagues. In other words, if we're going to reach the world, we've got to reach our world by cultivating the web of relationships that we have already got with those with whom we have a common kinship with, family and friends, with those with whom we have a common community with, neighbors and uh, colleagues, with those with whom we have a common interest with. Reach the world by reaching your Jerusalem. And then you go into Judea, the county, and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Now, I know that some of us have been called to bypass Jerusalem, bypass Samaria, bypass Judea, and go to the ends of the earth. Probably 2%. But 98% of us have been called to reach the world by reaching our world. There are two reasons why people are not Christians. One, they have never met a Christian. Two, they have met a Christian. <laughs> Come back to this question, what is our world? Um, it's a big world. According to statistics, 2%. Yeah? 2%, roughly. That means the rest of us, what is our world? So what does our Jerusalem look like? Now he said there, often Jerusalem is often our point of failure, which is quite scary. And perhaps it's the place where we don't focus on enough. Family and friends. Um, we can be so busy being out there doing stuff that actually family and friends. And I've often heard um, a lot of parents moan about Sunday schools and why aren't they teaching my child the word of God and blah, blah, And actually, no, your mom and dad starts with you. That discipleship, that ministry. And boy, oh boy, is that a journey and a half? <laughs> because in a home, it's raw, it's bare, it's authentic. We are human. Um, but Jesus said, Jerusalem, start in Jerusalem. And I like this idea, and I've made it the biggest circle, Jerusalem. Are we reaching our family and friends? Judea, where is our Judea? What does it look like? In today's world, where is our Judea? For me, it's neighbors and colleagues. I barely know my neighbors. Um, and it's because I travel so much for work. <laughs> and really, when I get home, I don't, don't want to socialize. 
um, I'm tired and I don't want to. But I'm forcing myself now to reach out more, just to make friends. <laughs> um, and in terms of colleagues, I know there's a lot of frustration in workplaces. You can't go around with your Bible bashing people over their head. Um, but it is about living the life, yeah? And just living and being honorable, being honest, being authentic in our workplaces. And, um, and for me, thing is joy. Uh, so many Christians are so miserable. And <laughs> in our workplaces, you know, we're that light, we're that salt. We should be that ray of sunshine um, in our workplaces. Because we have an invitation to a party that is out of this world. And we shouldn't be sad about sharing that. Where is then our Samaria, our borough, our city, our nation? And actually to the ends of the world today can mean all sorts of things. We have now media missionaries, TV missionaries, internet missionaries, <laughs> online churches. If you think about the scale of who we can reach through our social media networks, it is remarkable, absolutely remarkable. When my son got married um, two years ago, last year, whenever, um, <laughs> it was so bizarre. Now, he's a gamer. He was addicted to gaming, um, but he's a gamer, so he plays games online. And um, he's developed a circle of friends, uh, and in fact, Charlie Beer is another one, so they were all part of this big group. But they've developed the circle of friends that have journeyed together for nearly 12 years and it was so bizarre at Mitchell's wedding because it was the first time all of them had met face to face it was absolutely bizarre but they all showed up for the wedding and I knew some of them through, just through their voices I'd say oh you're so and so you know you're the guy from Denmark oh you're the guy from I think it was Azerbaijan or somewhere. Oh, I, oh, I know your voice. Because I, I could hear them when they were all shouting at each other online. And every now and again, I'd have to step in and say, stop swearing. And they'd say, oh, mom alert, mom alert. <laughs> but it was absolutely bizarre that there were about five different nations represented and they'd never met each other. But they had this in, very intimate friendship that they had journeyed together through all sorts of stuff. And they all stood there because they all knew Mitchell was a Christian. And, you know, he does actually witness as much as he's a, a, a numpty half the time. But, you know, he, he, he's out there and he's, he's like telling them, you need Jesus. And they all showed up at the wedding and they were all in the row and they sang with such gusto all the hymns. Some had never ever been to church before. Yeah. So, you know, we, we have such reach. Our Samaria could actually be huge. But it's all about our networks. Um, where and what do we have a passion for? Are we praying for our borough? Are we praying for our city? Do we pray for the government that's in confusion? <laughs> do we pray for our civil servants? Do we get behind those calls to prayer, those calls to action? But it has to start 
There. This is our training ground on how to share the gospel in the toughest soil. And for me, this is my world. And for me, this is my second world. So how do we do this? And again, some of this is from J. John. I just, he was so simple about it. And it just, like, oh yeah, that's how I would say that. <laughs> um, praying for each other, with each other, with thanksgiving for each other. As I came here this morning, I was thanking the Lord for Forest Hill Community Church. I was thanking the Lord for the family that I've had here over 16, 17 years. I was thanking the Lord for each one of you. Caring. Oh, John has mentioned this a few times, and when he prayed for me, he used this word, an encourager. You know what I would like to see? I would like to see that tsunami of love starting with each one of us encouraging each other. It's as simple as that. I love it when I get those random text messages saying, oh, the Lord brought you to mind, praying for you, bless you, love you, da-da-da, XX, yeah? I love it. It's so random, it's stunning <laughs> to think, you know what? God actually remembers me to somebody else. And it can be as simple as that. You know, in the old days, we pick up the phone. <laughs> Lord brought you to remember. We send a little card. Yeah? Let's do it. Let's start that amongst ourselves. Let it encourage each other in our faith. Just reach out. Send a message on Facebook. You've got WhatsApp and Messenger and, you know, name it. You've got it. Use it. The kingdom of God is here. It's with us. Let's encourage each other. Long-suffering, staying the course. This is about caring. And boy, have I learned this. I had such a random childhood. I never had roots. We moved every couple of years. Yeah, so I had this random thing. I didn't know how to conduct long-term relationships. Simple. Didn't know how to do it. And raising my sons, I have learned about staying the course and long-suffering. <laughs> Love them. But what I'm saying is, we're in this for the long run, the long haul. And I often have to remind people that we are going to be sitting together in eternity in the courts of heaven. Let's make an effort now. Yeah? Yeah. Let's make the effort now. Um, sincerity, authenticity. Let's get real. Um, let's get real. We don't have to have that sort of pseudo-American evangelistic voice. We don't have to walk around, thus saith the Lord. Amen, brother. Okay? We don't have to do that. It can be simple. It's authentic. Responding to need. And this is about caring. When you know somebody's in need, yes, there's the big thing, the poverty we know we've got to do something about that. Injustice, we know we've got to do something about that. But this is about individual need amongst each other. To be able to say, I need help. Responding to need and not judging. Big thing. Um, again, you know, I mean, a lot of you know I travel globally and it's my work, that's my world. 
Um, when I go into an office, wherever it is, in India, Pakistan, Turkey, um, I walk in um, and I could be faced with any number of things, yeah? Um, different religions, different cultures. And it's just about saying, you know what? I respect who you are. I respect you as a human being. I respect your belief. I respect your culture. I'm not here to come and tell you how to do things, but I'm here to encourage you to do better at what you're doing. And let's figure out solutions together. And I've had to learn not to have any form of judgment in my heart or in my spirit and on my face. Yeah? Because, boy, can I do the role of the eyes. Yeah? Um, and I only really do that in corporate meetings where we have to say, look, stop doing that. Stop killing people in the factory. Just don't do it. Um, so it's about not judging, but just keeping an incredibly open mind through the Holy Spirit, yeah, and releasing that peace. Yep. Sharing faith comes through hearing the Word of God. You heard what J. John said. <laughs> um, the people have got to hear it. They've got to hear it. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus Christ came for all of us to save us, to set us free, to have our names written in the book that we may have eternal life. Sharing your experience of Jesus and understanding of God. Who is God to you? Is he the God of the Old Testament? Or is he the God of eternity represented in Jesus Christ, who died for us, who loved us, who came to set us free, to deliver us, to heal us? And it's about the sharing of our faith. And what God has done for us. I've sat with pagans and atheists. And, oh, how can you believe in that? I said, you know what? What God has done for me, there is no, not, no evidence in the world to dissuade me that that wasn't real. Yeah? Just way too much. And then I can share things. Of things that I have seen and witnessed that God has done for me, who I am today, that actually any evidence... Count contrary to that will not dissuade me because it's real and it's about sharing that experience not trying to argue the facts the position saying well actually this is what God has done for me these are those coincidences in life that you couldn't make up that God did this is how I was healed this is how I have journeyed yeah that is the sharing the testimony, the witness of Jesus in us. Then, above all, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. He compels us to share our love of Jesus. He empowers us to trample on the scorpions and the snakes and all of that stuff. He empowers us. I love the fact that those whatever, 80, went ahead of where Jesus was going to go to. And the Holy Spirit does that. He goes ahead of us. Yeah, he's preparing the way 
so that when we land in a place or in a home or with a conversation, the Holy Spirit's already there, yeah? He's working, doing his thing. He empowers us to take the step. He convicts us. You know, when you've got that nag in your head, phone this person, send this person a message, do it, do it. You will be amazed. There was a guy on the train very recently, and oh, um, I've been a bit lax in my prayer life, and that, but suddenly I felt so compelled, convicted. Da, da, and there was this really good-looking chap, um, sort of further down the uh, thing, and, um, and the, I could just see the Holy Spirit hovering over him. And I said, please, no, Father, not this morning. You know, we're not even at 9 o'clock yet, you know. But it was so strong in my spirit I was like, oh, running up to strange men in stations. But anyway, Lord. So we get off the train, and the guy rushed ahead, and he sort of disappeared. And I said, ah, there we go, Lord. (laughs) So, okay. And you've got this, like, debate in my head. Anyway, um, I said, Lord, okay, if you want me to speak to this man, you've got to stop him. Because I'm not yelling across the concourse. You stop. So... (laughs) He, this man is in like a major rush, da da up the stairs, da da across the concourse, da 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 through the gates, and I'm like, yeah, I don't have to do it. And and suddenly he got out into the pavement and he just stopped dead. I thought, oh, now what, Lord? So and he was scratching and he was like, oh, for heaven's sake. Um, so I walked up to him and I said, ha, ha, mad woman, <laughs> I don't know what you believe in, but the Lord says He's got your back. Man burst into tears. <laughs> he said, who are you? Where are you from? I said, ah, my name's Bev. Da, da, da. I'm on my way to work. I said, but I just, just saw the Holy Spirit doing something on the train. And then he, and I'd written it down. And I said, so there's this little piece of paper. The Lord's got your back. I don't know what's going on in your life, but don't worry about it. The Lord's got your back. And he just stood there, and the tears were streamed, talking like six foot, like, see? Now, I could have missed that one, and I had this massive debate in my head. Am I going to make a fool of myself? Da, da, da. But actually, for that man, it was the world. Yeah? That was Jesus for that man right there. Yeah. So, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He reminds us. He motivates us. You know, people ask, oh, can you pray for me? And I think, oh, Lord, my brain's so busy. And then suddenly it'll come to remembrance. Oh, you're meant to be praying for that person today. And boom, it's, it is. And I check my calendar. Oh, yeah, it's the right day. <laughs> he reminds us. He takes the stress away from us. Um, and he motivates us. I wouldn't get up and do half things I do without his motivation. Because it's just not in my nature to do that sort of stuff. Um, embarrass myself in public. Uh, but he doesn't ask us to do that, by the way. He was not going to ask you to do that. <laughs> just, okay. Um, that's the way I roll. Yeah. I'm finishing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we started um, where Jesus sent them out. He said, go and share the peace. Declare the kingdom of God is with us through Christ Jesus, our son, his son. And I'd just like us to do that amongst each other. That if we can just look at each other and just release a blessing, we have the Holy Spirit. We have Christ Jesus. 
um, it starts with releasing the blessing to each other, encouraging each other. But let's keep praying. Let's keep caring. Let's keep sharing. And let's keep asking Holy Spirit to just help us to get better at all of this. And let our Jerusalem start with each other today. So let's just, can we stand and just look to the people around you and let's just bless each other in the name of Jesus. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.